Good morning. Look at your neighbor and tell her, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go straight into the word and uh, just really uh, want to encourage you concerning the series on leadership that we're doing. Um, so we're going to today look at a fundamental requirement of leadership. Last week was wonderful to have um, uh, Bishop Johnson Philip with us. Blessed by his ministry, I was blessed. It brought back a lot of memories, some of his sayings. He was the guy who helped me to become a cell leader and the one I used to go to when I was finding difficulty as I was a new Christian. And his ministry really helped me in my formative years as a Christian. And one of his, his pet subjects was this subject of, um, that I'm going to treat. So today we're going to look at a fundamental requirement in leadership. Remember, we've already established that as a child of God, there's a call of leadership upon your life. Everyone has a call of leadership because leadership is influence. It's not about position. It's not about a title. It's about our ability to influence. And as believers... We are called to be salt and we are called to be light to our world. And therefore, we are called to exercise leadership. Uh, so we're going to talk about a fundamental requirement in leadership. In other words, without this element, uh, you as an individual cannot be credible as a leader and others cannot really learn from you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. We are looking at a fundamental requirement in leadership, and it is faithfulness. Say faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, Paul, the apostle, said that when he was talking to the Corinthians, he said, listen, you should see us as servants of Christ. That word servant really speaks of somebody who has subordinated themselves to Christ. They've made themselves second to Christ. They've come under the leadership of Christ. He said, you have to see us as servants of Christ. And beloved, you as a child of God, you also need to recognize that you are a servant of Christ. You are a child of the kingdom and you're called into sonship, but you are also to function as his servants. That means you subordinated yourself to Christ. You have become his follower. He says, a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That word steward really is speaking as somebody who is an overseer, who's been given charge of something to look after. And we as God's people are stewards of the mysteries of God. In other words, God has entrusted to us his word and the ways of his kingdom for us to look after. What a wonderful privilege. So as a pastor, of course, I'm a steward of the mysteries of Christ as it affects this house and the CLF family. But you, as a child of God, you are a steward of the mysteries of Christ 
as it affects, or mysteries of God, as it affects those that you influence, those that you have influence over. And then he says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So if you, as a child of God, recognize that you are a steward of the mysteries of God, and that word mysteries really speaks of secrets of the kingdom that God reveals to his church, to his people. You know, there are truths that we, we are used to that the world has no idea about. There are things that we enjoy and we take for granted as God's people that honestly, people will spend money, millions of pounds even to have. I mean, we have tremendous peace. We have tremendous peace. We have, we have the love of God that is poured out in our hearts because of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, whereby we can indiscriminately love people. We can love people who would normally, we wouldn't normally love. We can like people who normally we wouldn't like. Now, sometimes people say things like, I love you, but I don't like you. It's an absolute nonsense, by the way. If, no, I was saying this to the leaders in Medway yesterday. If somebody said to, if a husband said to his wife, you know, honey, I really love you. I just don't like you. You know, so let's live together in harmony. How would that work? No. The fact is, the love of God is poured out in our hearts because of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us to love indiscriminately and unconditionally anyone and everyone that comes our way. What a tremendous privilege. So many privileges that God has given to us in his kingdom that we actually take for granted. So we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And as stewards, it is required of us to be faithful. So what is faithfulness? Simply put, and I'm sure most of you could tell me this, faithfulness is being trustworthy, being loyal, and being dependable. These are three key elements, aspects to faithfulness. There are others, which I'll touch on later on. But you are trustworthy, you are dependable, and you are loyal. Now, we're talking about this in the context of leadership. And we're going to be, as we look at leadership, one of the things we're going to be looking at, and through different ones that I'm going to be sharing, is the character of a leader. And one of the character, real characteristics of great leaders is faithfulness. And by the way, every great leader is a great follower. Every great leader is a great follower because faithfulness is one of the key characteristics of leadership. And to be able to lead and demonstrate faithfulness, you have to have followed someone faithfully. Amen. So it is being trustworthy. It is being loyal. And it is being dependable. It also includes the qualities of fidelity. In other words, uh, that which makes us true to our promise and faithful to the task that's been entrusted to us. So when, we, when something is given to us to do, we do it in a manner that it can be relied upon. It also includes being steadfast, steadfastness. It means that we are not easily shaken. It also includes dedication, stability, and dependability. All these things, I've already touched on dependability. All these things are what is involved in being faithful. And you know, faithfulness is actually 
an aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is produced in our human spirit. In other words, if you want to demonstrate true Christianity, one of the things that we will see is this quality of being faithful. It also means that we are unchanging and thoroughly grounded in relationship with one another because of truth. We remain grounded and committed to relationships with each other because of truth. You know, one of the characteristics of the ends of the age is truth breakers. People who cannot keep to their promise. People who cannot keep to covenants that they make. Now, why is faithfulness important? The importance of faithfulness. I want you to look at Luke chapter 16 from verses 10 to 12. Luke 16 verses 10 to 12. Our Lord says this, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Amen. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, these verses really is teaching about money and how money is supposed to be used in such a way that when we come to a place where money has no value because of how we used it, what we did enables us to enter into the true riches that God has for us. But there's some lessons about faithfulness I want you to observe. First thing is this. Our level of faithfulness will determine our promotion in this life. And also, it determines our eternal reward in the age to come. Now, he says, he calls money what is least. Our Lord says, if you have not been faithful with what is least, who's going to give you the true riches? But I want you to see the first part of verse 10. If you are faithful in what is least, you are also faithful in much. God looks at how trustworthy, how loyal, how dependable we are with things that we don't consider important. With relationships that we don't consider important. With commitments that we don't consider important. Now, I'm not even talking about what we consider important. I'm talking about what we don't consider important. Now, if he's looking at what we don't consider important and how we handle it, how much more does he look at what we consider important and how we handle it? Beloved, if there is one characteristic of leadership I want to encourage you to develop. Now, all the ones that we're going to look at next year, especially the ones that I will treat, I, they're all important. But today we're talking about faithfulness. And what I want to say to you is, is this, cultivate faithfulness. Any man or any woman that God approves of, and we're going to see, one of the things he will highlight is their faithfulness to him. So let's look at God's attitude to faithfulness. First thing, God himself is a faithful God. Deuteronomy 7, 9 to 11, he says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, 
who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. He is faithful to a thousand generations. That's 40,000 years later. What you do today, 40,000 years later, he will commit to you and your offspring because of what you do today. This is why I know that the tide is changing in the human race over time. Now, I have my own views of eschatology in terms of the Lord's return and stuff. I believe he will return, but I think a lot of things are going to change before he comes. But one of the things we will see is his faithfulness. So we have societies today that enjoy blessings even though they no longer honor God because of the faithfulness of God to their ancestors hundreds of years ago who were another scripture God not only is a God of faithfulness he acknowledges faithfulness Numbers chapter 12 verses 6 and 7 now this is what he says about Moses he said then he said hear now my words now this was in the context where Moses as the man of God had taken an African woman to marry her when he had told the rest of Israel that you should only marry an Israelite. So he had done his bit, then that was given the law. I go and marry someone and I tell you, now you can't marry like me. You know, they saw the wife, hey, your, your African wife, she's very nice. They said, we would like one. He said, no, 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 the law is you only marry amongst yourselves. <laughs> so, and, and, and the wife was not playing ball with Miriam, his older sister. You know, maybe she was asking her to cook some Jewish food, and she said, nah, we cook African here. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and so, she was complaining about Moses, her and Aaron. Got, they were older than Moses. They were complaining. And then she said this, as God only spoken through Moses. You think Joseph is the only one who's anointed? He speaks to us as well. Speaks to us. So God, you think, is just this person who's anointed. So God says this. He starts to speak to them. He called them. He said, Miriam and Aaron, come here. So they said, you hear? You see that, Moses? We've been called. In verse 6, then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. He said, next verse says, I speak to him face to face. Then he said, weren't you even afraid to talk about him in that way? Now, there's so many lessons we can learn there, but we won't touch on that. We'll just touch on this bit. What I want you to see, what God highlights about Moses is that Moses, I deal with him differently because he is faithful with everything I give to him. He's faithful in all my house. And, and, and Moses was actually compared with Jesus. Can you imagine? Moses is compared with Jesus. He says, in another place, he says, Moses as a servant is faithful in all his house, but Jesus as a son is faithful in all. The point there is, is that, I mean, that's a heavy com uh, um, comparison. Moses was so faithful 
that God singled him out and related to him uniquely. God acknowledges faithfulness. And he also requires faithfulness. He requires faithfulness from anybody he wants to endorse. Beloved, don't necessarily look at a person's anointing. If you want to see God's validation over their life, look at their faithfulness to God and his ways. Don't look at how much scripture I can quote or how powerful or eloquent I might come across. But look as to whether this person is faithful to God in his secret history when nobody is watching. 1 Samuel 2, 34 and 35. Now this is talking about Eli. God is making a judgment on Eli and his sons. I'm not sure if I gave you these verses. I probably didn't, but anyway. He says, now this shall be a sign to you, talking to Eli, that will come upon you, upon your two sons, on Hophni and Phoenix. In one day they shall die, both of them, because they were terrible guys. These were church leaders who were so bad. When the offering, when the offering in today's um, language would be this, after the offering is taken, they're going to the church office as they count the money. Yeah, yeah, my friend, come, let me take some money. Just take the money. Put it in your pockets. Take some money. Put it in. And when they say, but we haven't counted it. We haven't accounted ah, Shut up. What do you mean? I am the man of God that you have. And then, not only were they doing that, they were also sleeping with the women. Casting their eye on the sisters. I'm looking at my niece, so I'm not... I'm not looking at any sister right now. I'm looking at my niece. Casting their eyes on them, sleeping with them. I mean, sleeping with them. In the church, by the way. So, like, before I come and preach, in there, I'll do something there, and then I come and preach. Doing it. And they were getting away with it. They still had anointing flowing. Anointing was flowing. God was watching. And their father heard about what was happening and did nothing. Let me tell you one other thing. Sometimes you have to correct people in the way that everybody knows what you did is wrong. That's what being a father is. It's not always, you know, people are doing the wrong thing and you just watch them do it. doesn't matter. No, you have to correct them. And this man, Eli, was not doing that. So God said, I'm going to kill him in one day. Both of them. But look at verse 35. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. You see, the key thing you look at in faithfulness is whether these people do what God wants to do, what is on God's heart, and what is in God's word. In his heart and in his mind. It's clearly outlined in his word. And that's how you judge your level of faithfulness to God. How you obey what is in his heart and what is in his mind. You see, at times you can read the letter of the Bible and miss the spirit of it. Well, the Bible says, if you commit adultery, I can divorce you. So one strike, you're out. That's not the spirit of the word. The spirit of the word is you are to forgive if they repent. 
Can you say amen, somebody? Wow, your amen is very encouraging, as Pastor John was saying. He says, I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. There are other scriptures. Another one I want to point out to you about faithfulness is that God preserves and protects the faithful. This is Psalm 31, 23 and 24. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful. He preserves the faithful. He preserves and protects them from witches and wizards, from curses, from the schemes of the malicious. And fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So God is a God of faithfulness and God um, exalts and venerates faithfulness. It's something that God prizes very highly. So to whom and to what are we to be faithful? One, we are to be faithful towards God, of course. Always, we seek to honor him. We seek to please him. To what level? To the extent that even if it does, we lose our lives. Revelations 2.10. Revelation 2.10. Talking to one of the churches, he said, Do not fear any of those things which, are about to, which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation. Ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. Sometimes people are going through something. And you say, oh, they must have sinned. No. God allows the devil access to his most prized saints. He will allow him access to some of them because he wants the way of the cross to be revealed through them. And they go through tremendous pain, tremendous trial, tremendous tribulation. It's for a short period, but it feels like it's forever. And sometimes they have to lose their life. And Jesus will watch them go through all that humiliation for him. And you on the sideline may think, hey, my friend, you must have done something. You're going through that. Come on, bind the devil. Bind him. But Jesus says, no, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and kill some of you. Can you imagine that? But we are still to remain faithful. Is your faithfulness to God on the condition that he blesses you? On the condition that God makes a way for you? That he's the God of breakthrough. Therefore, we serve him. Or is your faithfulness to God, to him regardless? Job said, though he slays me, yeah, will I trust him? Secondly, we are to be faithful to his word. The scripture we read earlier on, um, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, says that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And we are required to be faithful as his stewards. We are to be faithful to his word. So when we see something in the word of God, we say, well, because the word says it, I have to do it. I don't like what I read in the word. I don't like this bit. There are bits in the Bible I don't like. I have to be honest, especially as a younger Christian. There were bits that I could not believe were there. And I was looking for some negotiation. 
as a young teenager recently saved, realizing that I couldn't have sex until I was married, which seemed like it would never happen, I was looking for some way, maneuver. It must be Old Testament. New Testament should allow. Should allow. I remember when my pastor taught me about tithing. I really thought it's a bit of a scam, to be honest. I thought, mm. so he said, ten, I said, 10%. I thought, how convenient. I did. Now, we teach that tithing is not a law. Of course, it's not. In the New Testament, you don't have to tithe. But you can express your worship to God with your finance by honoring him with your money. Some, some in our church don't even tithe. They give more than the tithe. They don't believe in tithing, so they give above and beyond. I find it hilarious. Those people who don't believe in tithing and give a lot less. I find that hilarious. May God bless your life with increased revelation. But anyway, you see something in the word, and uh, because it's there, you do it. Because it's there, you do it to honor God. Look at Psalm 15. The next one is we are faithful to our own word. Our own word. I get challenged by this a lot. By my own self. Psalm 15, 1 and 2. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. This is the person. Psalm 24, 3 to 6 has similar sentiments. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. He says, says, this is the generation of those who seek him. May you be one of them. You are faithful to your word where when you give your word, it's to your own hurt. It's to your own hurt. You do everything in your power to keep to your word. So when you break your word, it's a mistake. It's not because we know you're going to break your word. As for this one, Joseph, anytime he tells you, and he says, I'm going to bless you, run. He's going to take something from you. If he's coming to talk to you and he's coming to encourage you, run. He's going to rebuke you. He's going to steal from you. May you be a man and woman of your word. Amen. The next one the scripture tells us to be faithful to is to our spouses. Those of you who are single, I want you to listen carefully to this bit. Because you have so much um, fantasy about marriage before you marry. When we, before we were married, we had so much fantasy. We, we thought we knew how married people should behave when we were single. What stupidity. Then we got married and we had revelation. Huh, honey? I sure she's online. Yeah? We had revelation. But look at what the Lord says in Malachi chapter 2 verses 13 to 16. About faithfulness. Now, faithfulness to your spouse is so powerful. 
It's so important because it has such a bearing on every aspect of your life after you marry. It has such a bearing. And we thank God there is grace and we live in a fallen world and marriages fail. So if your marriage has failed, take heart and learn from it and teach those people coming who think they know better than you. Teach them. We need your wisdom. Nevertheless, this is what God says. And this is the second thing you do. Now, the first thing they did was they were totally dishonoring God with their, uh, with their sacrifice. But the second thing you do, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Now, how are they doing this? How are they covering the altar of the Lord with tears? He shows you how. Yet you say, for what reason? What have we done? We ain't done no covering the altar with tears. He said, because the Lord has been witness. The Lord is, has been watching. Watching between you and the wife of your youth. The Lord watches you and your husband. How you handle your husband? You think it's just men he's talking to. He's talking to the women as well. He's been watching. You see, that's why I, at times I'm humbled by my wife. Because at times she behaves in a manner that I say, hey, this woman is godly. Because sometimes I, I, can, I can be not very holy and godly. Let's just put it like that. But she does things in spite of me. Regardless of me. God watches how you handle each other. The things you say to each other and say about each other behind each other's back. God watches it all. Say to your neighbor, God is watching us. If you are sitting to your spouse, say it properly. God is watching us, not you. Don't say God is watching you. God is watching us. <laughs> Look at this. He says, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. But I'm not committing adultery. Am I, have I dealt treacherously? I've not committed adultery. I've not stolen from her. I have not lied to her. Have I, am I dealing with her treacherously? Look at this. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? He sees godly offspring. In other words, you've dealt with her treacherously because you're no longer one with her. You're no longer one. You've dealt with her treacherously. Hey! Look at how holy you're looking at me right now. But did he not make them one? Verse 15, I read it again. Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? He sees godly offspring. Therefore, look at this. Take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife or husband of his, his or her youth. For the Lord God says that he hates divorce for it covers one's garment with violence. Now, the tears that he's referring to earlier on was the tears of the injured spouse. The wife in this context who was crying, was in pain and God was watching it. Watching the man, how he was handling her. Now, we can reverse it because at times it's the same thing. The woman is behaving like a real terrible person. Let's just put it like that. And the man is suffering. You know, 
The other day, I saw the, the, the statistics for domestic violence. I think it's one point something million women who are um, domestic violence. It's terrible. But the figure that also shocked me was the men, about 800,000. I thought, hey, some men are suffering. I mean, women are suffering, don't misunderstand me. But some men are 800,000 being beaten up. It's terrible. It's very bad. It's very bad. Every, everything is bad. So somebody say, ah, so when it's 800,000, it's bad. But not, the point is, sometimes you, you don't realize what people are going through. Now, as a pastor, of course, I know. I know what happens. Hallelujah. After we sing hallelujah, praise the Lord. Sing our holy songs. Shalabu, praise God. After we finish that, we go home and beat each other up sometimes. God forbid in Jesus' name. But it happens. Sometimes people are, it look very sweet, very holy in church. That's why at times I wish every time we walk in, we just see everybody's boom, then we can all be quiet. They walk in, they, they come and sing, oh, Jesus is so beautiful, oh, Jesus is so nice. But they are like demons manifesting at home. Terrifying horror stories. Yeah, I'm telling you. That's why faithfulness is so important. When you are faithful to your spouse, you handle them with care. You are kind. You are patient. You are forgiving. You are easy to be entreated. You are decent. You are nice to live with. Some people are horrible to live with. Let's move on. Also... I'm telling you, it's true. I'm not laughing. I understand. Some of you are not happy. This is not funny, Joe. This is not funny. Fifth point, let's move on then. Maybe this will make you happy. Should be faithful to our friends. To our friends. Now, at times when you're faithful to a friend, you tell them the truth. Austin is my good friend. He likes to tell me when my breath smells. And, and he does it sometimes. I said, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? F- uh, yeah. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Look at, look at this. Proverbs 26, 7. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Your friend should tell you the truth. Your friend should be able to say, my friend, what, what is this dress you're wearing? Who do you want to sleep with? They should be able to tell you that. Because if the pastor says, hey, I'm leaving the church. But your friend should be able to tell you. Sweetheart, how you handle that man, he's going to leave you. But some friends are bad. You know, you go to your friend, what do you think of what I did? <laughs> uh, you were in your right. You should have slapped him the other one. Don't mind him. No, your friend, your friend should know that they can rely on you to tell them the truth. You know, there are people in the church that if they want to leave the church, no matter how anointed I preach and teach, they will leave. But if your friend says, what are you doing? Sit down! Somehow it gets through. That's how it is. We need friends. Say to your neighbor, I need friends. It's not a bad thing to say. If you are one of these people who are just lone rangers, nobody's your friend, be careful. You might be behaving like a fool and you don't even know it. No, we need friends. My friends tell me. They tell me. Straight up. They, they say, listen, Joe, you might, be the, you might be the bishop, but sometimes the way you talk, you have to change. You know? They, they, how I dressed. You may think I dressed bad now, but it was awful before. 
<laughs> my friends would say, oh, Joe, come on. I mean, I don't mind, like, what, wearing shoes and it's like, well, well he's going this way, one, like, you know, it's, it's so worn out. And then here, uses for a telescope, there's holes in it. I don't mind. Just I can't be bothered. So my friends would say, no, 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 no. You can't wear that anymore. But some of us, if our friends tell us a little small thing, your hair, hey, what do you mean by my hair? Oh, no, 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 come on. Also, who, do we, who should we be faithful to? All our relationships, relationships we have. Proverbs 27, 10. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Somebody said, what have I got to do with my father's friend? My father's friend is my father's friend. No, go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. In other words, learn to handle people that come your way properly. Because you never know whose help you're going to need one day. So be faithful in relationships. And then be faithful with the abilities God gives you. The abilities God gives you. In Matthew 25, verses 20 and 21, our Lord said this. So he that had five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What are you doing with what God has given to you? Are you faithful with it to the Lord? Are you using it in a way that glorifies him? God has given you abilities. Be faithful with it. Be faithful with it. So, as I bring this to a conclusion, I want to encourage you to strive or to, yes, yeah, strive to be faithful. Work on faithfulness. So, in conclusion, some truths about the faithful that are worthy of note. One, they know how to be discreet. Proverbs eleven thirteen, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Faithful individuals know how to be discreet, are confidential. They, they protect people's um, privacy. They are individuals that will not expose your sin. Two, they can be relied upon when you send them. Proverbs 13, 17. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings help. Are you somebody that people can rely on when they entrust you with something? Go and do this. They can know that you will bring health and not confusion. We send you, please, just take this and give it to that person. Which person? That person over there. By the time the thing has got there, there's a bit of food. You've eaten most of the food. <laughs> I remember as a, as a child, maybe not as a child, as, as I was growing up, sometimes if, if you send, if you don't send me food because I will eat some, I'll try and eat something. That's the truth. 
can be relied upon. Third point. Faithful people are truthful. They are truthful. Proverbs 14, 5. A faithful witness does not lie. But a false witness will utter lies. A faithful witness does not lie. If you ask them, so, Austin, what do you think of this? Mm, They'll tell you, I think it doesn't suit you. It's wrong. Now, husbands, let me just advise you here. There's a skill to this. If your wife puts on something and they ask you, how does it look? And you know it doesn't bring her beauty out. Don't say it's ugly. That is not why. You say, but you said I should tell the truth. So I found a skill. Now, Aisha, you can switch this bit off at this point. You say something like, this does not do you justice. Or the other one is better. Or whatever you wear, you're still beautiful to me. Because all these things are true. They are true. And certainly you don't tell them after they leave the house that what they are wearing is not nice. That is bad strategy. Don't say, but because you're going to say, I said you should tell the truth. So even, you think, well, look at what you're wearing. Look at what you're wearing. My friend, if you want a happy evening, that's not how you speak. So I'm just adding that caveat. But the point is, a faithful witness tells the truth, does not lie. Four, faithful people are rare. Proverbs 26. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? One of the things I was saying to Aish this morning is that in, in CLF, honestly, there's so many quality people. So many. So many. And we at times take it for granted. How many of us are faithful? There's a lot of faithful men and women in our church. Faithful men and women. So many. I know. I've seen them. How they are over the years. Too many to know. If I start saying names, I'm going to get into trouble. Because some, so many names that I, I won't mention who are just as faithful. So I'm not saying any names. I want, I, don't, I want to go home properly. But faithful people are rare. So when you find people who are faithful, treasure them. Some of you have great friends who are faithful. Treasure them. You have people who you know are godly men and women who speak into your life. Treasure them. Value them. I'll stop there. We're going to pray. Time is up. The rest of it is in your notes. You're very clear. And I want to just encourage you as a man, a woman of God, as a child of God, to cultivate faithfulness. Amen? Is this a virtue you want in your life? Is this something that you would cultivate more for? We all will. So I want us to pray. And if that is you and you're saying, you know, Lord, thank you for your word and I. I, I, I embrace the virtue of faithfulness as a leader and I want to demonstrate faithfulness. Why don't you stand right now? I want to just pray grace over you before I hand back to Austin. That the Lord will give you grace, he'll strengthen you in this area. As you stand, raise your hands to him.
Heavenly Father, thank you for these precious men and women that are standing before you right now. I ask, oh God, for grace upon them. Lord, that their hearts will abound towards you in this area. Your word declares that your eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for individuals whose hearts are loyal towards you. Let it be these ones that are standing. In the name of Jesus, amen.